Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So this morning is something special, but I'm not going to give you the title. I'm first going to start reading something. It's an amazing story of an old man. And this man was quite unique. He always, when he met someone and started a conversation with them, he started the conversation with the same question. And the question was, what have you done that you believe in and you are proud of? Think about it when someone meets you and says, hey man, what have you done that you're proud of? And that, well, what, what did I say? What, what have you done that you believe in and you are proud of? It's quite an interesting question, isn't it? But he never asked conventional questions such as, such as how, how, what, what do you do for a living? He always asked, what have you done that you believe in and that you are proud of? See, it's, it's, it was such an unsettling question for people who built their self-esteem on their wealth and their family name or their ex- exalted job title. Well, not this old man. He was a fierce, he, he wasn't a fierce interrogator. He was just delighted when a woman answered, I'm doing a good job raising three children. Or maybe when the cabinet maker said, man, I believe in good workmanship and practice it. Or maybe when other women said, man, I started a bookstore and it's the best bookstore um, all around. Now one day when they asked the man, why why did he do it? Why does he do it? Why does he ask a question in all those things? And he says, I don't really care how much or what they answer. I just want to plant a seed. They should live their lives in such a way that they can and have a good answer. Not a good answer for me, but for themselves. That is what's important. Isn't that a good story? So the question is, what have you done that you believe in and that you are proud of? It's a good question, isn't it? Now, one of the greatest dangers for any human being is to stagnate. We all know the word. Stagnate means that there is no activity or being dull and sluggish. That's what stagnate means. It's almost like if you look at the river that started stagnating. It just stopped its flow. And and what's happening with with a river that stops flowing? It starts stinking. It gets dirty. It's not its, its natural purpose. See, when something stagnates, it means that it goes against the natural flow, the natural calling or the natural purpose of that thing. Now, it's too easy for us as believers to stagnate in our relationship with God. Ever been there? Come on, all of us can probably put our hands up. Man, I stagnate my relationship with God. It became dull. I struggled. I feel far from God. I mean, every time I open my Bible, I don't know where to read. Am I speaking to someone? Come on, we, it's all of us. We get to that place where we start stagnating in our relationship with God, or we've been there, or maybe we've been there now. Now, the era we're living in now is probably one of the most dangerous or most distractive times we're in. You get distracted by anything. You pick up your cell phone, you pick up your uh, TV remote. You, I mean, there's so many things that can distract us from really building our relationship with God. But the good news is God created us with the ability and the purpose to advance. Not to stagnate, to advance. If you look at your purpose, 
Your purpose is not to stagnate. Your purpose is to advance in life. The word advance means to move forward in a purposeful way or to cause progress in your life. How many of us want to cause progress in our life? Come on, all of us. You don't want to stagnate. You don't want to sit around. Do we want to have advancement in our lives? Now, the good thing is God called us to advance in our lives. He has called you to advance in your family. God has called us to advance in our jobs, in our studies, in our hobbies. He has called us to advance in our relationships. But God also called us to advance the kingdom. Not just the stuff in our lives. He called us to advance His kingdom on earth. You know, God has, hasn't called the church to just enjoy getting together on Sundays, yay, and then next week again, yay. No, no. God called us to advance His kingdom here in our town, every day, in our neighborhood, with your friends. Everywhere you go, God called us to advance His kingdom in every sphere of life, in everything you do. Now, do you realize that if we look at the human body, we weren't created to move backward? I don't know about you, but if I wake up in the morning and I walk backward to make coffee, or I walk backward to the... I mean, it's, it's stupid. God created us to walk forward. That's just how we were created. Our feet were created to move forward. Our head can't turn 360 degrees. There's no eyes behind our head. No, no. We were made to advance, to go forward. Now, I don't know how many of you realize it's March. <laughs> and most of us just shake our heads if you realize the first semester of school is almost done. It's a few weeks from Easter. I don't know if that has sunk in already. But, but maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're feeling beaten up by the first two, three months of the year. Come on. And you just want to sit here. Just leave me for a minute. Henny, don't ask me to do anything else, please. I just want to sit for a while. This has been a hectic two, three months. This is, I've had a lot of conversations with people in the last week or so, and most people feel like this. The year started out quick. Maybe you're saying, Henny, man, I don't feel very courageous or outgoing at the moment. In fact, I feel my courage was captured by the enemy. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? Just feel like, I don't know how I'm going to make this year if I feel like two months or one or two months after this. But one of my favorite writers is Chris Valentin, and he says the following, and I love this. He says, if you throw courage into a cold, dark alley and leave it for dead, it will strike a match and set the world on fire. Man, I love that. Ever felt this courage in a cold, dark room? God gave you the ability, and we spoke about it this last three, four weeks, that God has given us something that can strike a match to still set the world on fire. We just need to advance instead of stagnate. You see, what God has given each of us is the courage that, that is so contagious that it will set the world on fire with the good news of the gospel, the love of Jesus, and the power of the Spirit. That's what God has given us. We just need to step forward. Now, my topic today is, guess, guess, advance. I want God to 
plant, implant, to drop something in our hearts this morning that yeah, we speak about, are we advancing the kingdom? What does it actually mean? How do we advance the kingdom? Now, when any army wants to advance against the enemy, what is important? It's important for every soldier to know what they fight for. It's important for every soldier to know what they stand for. Otherwise, you'll have an army, five of them will say, now I first want to see what happens. Then I'll maybe do something. No, no. You want an army that immediately said, if we advance, we advance together, and we trust, and we, man, we trust God for the victory. You see, if, if we as individuals and as a church want to trust God to advance His kingdom here on earth, and to make an impact, as we spoke about in the last four weeks, we need to know our mission statement. Now, I believe that the mission statement of any Christian should be the following. I'm not talking about the church. I'm just talking about you. What is your personal mission statement? Now, I believe that every Christian's mission statement should be, we live to honor God and love others. It's been a mission statement in my own life for a long time. I know, I know we say, listen, I love God and I love others, but I want to look at this thing, honor, this morning. I live to honor God and love others. And as I think about this phrase, and when, I th- when I wrote this, I wonder how many people know what it is to honor God. What does it mean to really honor God? You see, to honor God should be the starting point and the finishing line of everything we do as believers to honor God should be the starting and a finishing line. You see, this doesn't have to be a printed out mission statement on our church banner or a or poster on a wall. No, no. It should be an imprint in your heart to honor God in everything that I do. Well, I bring God into every room that I'm in. No, no, Lord, when I watch this TV show, uh, I'll be with you later. Or, Lord, when I'm going here, I'll be with you tomorrow at church. Are you willing to honor God in everywhere you go, every place you do? It's the starting point. It's the finishing point of your life. You see, to say we honor God is not just something cool to say in a statement. No, no. It should be a value that is so important to us that we first and foremost live by it. To honor Him in everything. See, you can love your church family. You can even love your leaders. I hope so. But what should be our first and most important priority? Our first and most foremost priority should be to honor God first in everything we do. Honor Him. You see, as a church and as individuals, we need to constantly remind ourselves that no matter how big or how small or how successful or not we become, apart from God, we can do nothing. Nothing. You can run the biggest business in South Africa. Without God, you'll be successful maybe for a while. But we can do nothing without God in our lives. Now, Paul says it so well in 1 Corinthians. I love this scripture. It says, 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 to 7, it says the following, I planted the seeds in your hearts, and Apollos 
watered it. But it was God who made it grow. It is not important who does the planting, who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. You see, we love growth in church. <laughs> we love growth in church. Amen? Who doesn't? We don't want to be a church with three people in all the time. We love it when we grow and we fellowship. I love it when new people come in because I get to meet more people. I love people. We love it when church grows, but, but see, we love it when people grow in their relationship with God. We love it when our church community reach out and reach out to each other. We love it when people make disciples and love each other and help them grow in their relationship with God. And listen, we love it when our church is full on Sundays. We love it. But we cannot take credit for it because God is the one that grows the seed. God is the one that grows the church, grows church families, grows a community of believers. He's the one. Look at Psalm 127, verse 1. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. As pastor, I can have a lot of plans, but the Lord builds the house. If I don't sit at his feet on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, I'll miss him because I want him to build the church. And he gives us strategies and wisdom to do it and run it and, and build the kingdom. And that's why I pray for every church in this town every week. Why? Because we are not a small little light on a hill alone. No, no, we are part of a kingdom of believers. Now, see, we give God the honor for this church and we know that he builds this house. Amen? But let's be honest for ourselves for, for, for a moment. What really drives you in life? What drives you in life? What drives us personally in life? Um, what drives you to success? Maybe it's success that drives you. Maybe it's wealth or health that drives you. Maybe it's wisdom that drives you. What drives you in life? What makes you advance in life? This is a good question to ask. See, in every season of our lives, we do so, so many things and take so many awesome challenges and accomplish so much. If you just look back 10 years, what you have accomplished in your life, there will be an, a, quite a nice list. But as Christians, the only thing we should be driven by is, is to honor God. Honoring Him in everything that I do. Every time I, I, I plan something I do, I ask the question, Lord, will I honor you through this? Will I honor you in everything that I do? You see, how do we respond to God's goodness? Or how do we respond to everything He saved us from? Or how do we respond to the grace and mercy He gives us every day? See, we, we respond by living a life that honors Him. I want to honor Him. I don't know about you. When I step out of bed in the morning, when I go back into bed, I, mean, I want to honor you, Lord. How do I honor you today? When I get in my car, go to the office, I ask, Lord, how can I honor you today better? So what does it really mean to honor God? Good question, isn't it? We know we want to honor God, but how do I honor you better, Lord? How do I live a life that honors you? Now, Jesus came in the Gospels in Matthew. He gave us two commandments. 
And if we look at these two commandments, it will help us steer to a place of how do I honor God better. Matthew 22, verse 34 to 40, it says, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with, with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? So Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And this is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love the Lord, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. So we want to look at two things. How do I honor God? How do I honor God? Number one is honor, honoring God begins with our heart. How is your heart? It's a good question to ask, isn't it? Because your heart will direct your honor. If I bury everything in my... If, if, if all my focus is on my hobby, on what I love, my heart will be there. But if I, my heart is with the Lord, my honor will be with Him first and foremost. So honoring starts and begins with the heart. And this is where honor really starts. Come on. Proverbs 4 verse 23. I love the scripture. It says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. This is a super important scripture. Do you think how much is packed in that scripture? Guard your heart above all else. Above all else. This is a profound statement. If you think about everything that you have in your life right now, what would you like to guard? Everything that you have. How about guarding our families if you're married and you've got children? Would you be driving your family to holiday on the N1, doing 160, watching a movie on your phone? How many of you would do that? No, we won't. Why? Because you want to keep your family safe. You're going to make an accident. No, no. Why? Because you value their lives. You see, we will never gamble with the life of our family, but we will gamble with our hearts. Come on. Sometimes we will gamble with our hearts, but the essence and true essence, the course of your life are within your heart. So guard your heart above all else. No matter what you have or what happens around you or what we accomplish, the Word says guard your heart above everything. For what? Life will flow out of your heart. So whatever you fill your heart with, the clearer the, the river will be. We can't let our hearts stagnate. Our hearts need to advance. And if our hearts want to advance, we need to honor God in everything we do. Now let me explain the importance of our hearts with the story about Jesus and the Pharisees quickly. Mark 7, verse 1 to 6. It says the following. It says, One day some Pharisees and teachers of the religious law arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples failed to follow the Jewish rituals of hand, of hand washing before eating. Now then it explains why. It says, The Jews, especially the Pharisees, 
do not eat until they have poured water over their cupped hands as required by the ancient traditions. Similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their hands in water. This is but one of many traditions they have, to, they have clung to, such as their ceremonial washing of cups, pitchers and kettles. So, the Pharisees and teachers of religious law ask him, this Jesus, why don't your disciples follow our age-old traditions? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony. So Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right when you prophesied about you, for he wrote, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. How many of us have listened to people say, yeah, it's only by the grace of God that, that this has happened in my life. Five minutes later, he swears and, and lives unrighteously. See, people, so, there's so many in this life, even now, just look at the Grammys, the Oscars. Thank God for this award. But, I mean, all the movies you make is ungodly. So they honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from God. It's all about our hearts. You see, church history teaches us that 500 years before Jesus, 500 years before Jesus, there was a very religious group were formed out of Judaism called the Pharisee. Now these guys were full-time specialists in religious law. And it was not just any law, it was the law of God. They were the religious elites of their time. People looked up to them. Their passion in life was to call the people to Israel, of Israel to a life to live a life of godliness. That's what they were called to. They, they called the people to honor God. They were great men living for God, living for His law, and calling the people into holiness. Now these guys were the religious heroes of the age. They were zealous about the law of God. Zealous. Passionate. Now years after the movement was started, Jesus came around. Now we all know the story, and every time Jesus spoke to them, he called them hypocrites. Now, what happened? What happened in the last 500 years? These guys were the heroes, the elites of calling the people into holiness of, of God and said, we want you to, be, to honor God with everything in your life, so come, be holy. And then Jesus came after 100 years, and he calls them hypocrites, snakes, vipers. I mean, just think about the offense. How can you call the man of God, the religious elite? What happened since these guys were the heroes to Jesus called them hypocrites? And through the years, the Pharisees shifted their focus without realizing it. They shifted it. What happened? In their zeal to do whatever is right, they became so focused on what was right and wrong that they forgot to remember why they did it. Why, did, why, why, why are we doing this? You see, their focus shifted from God to themselves. And instead of being righteous, they became self-righteous. All about me. Look how holy I am. I stand in the street corners and I pray so that everybody can see I'm holy. You see, their focus shifted. Their hearts shifted. I might sound holy, but what is in your heart? 
I always say to the guys, what, what mask do you have on today? Your church mask? Hallelujah. Amen, brother. Come on. If you can't be the you every day, then you need to sort out the mask or maybe throw all of them away. Because these guys were living with masks and it was a self-religious mask that they had on. Their focus was so much on themselves. Let's look at verse 5 again. Verse 5 says, So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law ask him, Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? All about them. We say what's right and wrong. You see, the issue here wasn't the cleaning of hands before they eat. No, no. It was not performing in their tradition. Ever been in a place like that? If you don't do all the traditions, then you're not holy. But Jesus came and canceled all the traditions, all the stuff. He, he nullified the law and said, now it's not what you do, it's who I am. Therefore, I give you grace. You see, they become so focused on the religious aspects that they miss the relationship with God. You see, the difference between religion and relationship is a heart issue. The Pharisees wanted to look spiritually by doing religious traditions right. But the disciples just wanted to be with Jesus. They didn't care. See, religion says, you cannot do that. You have to do this so that you can honor God. Relationship says, I want to be with Him because I love Him so much. And because I love Him so much, I just want to honor Him with everything I do. It's a big difference. How many of us get stuck in tradition in our lives? We feel guilty because I haven't read my Bible today. Whew, God's now mad at me. Now I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to repent. Don't get stuck in the religious stuff. Come back to the freedom of God and the grace that He's given you. God is okay. He loves you. See, so many of us get st stuck in religion and with condemnation that we miss the grace that God has given us. See, Jesus says that we can talk as much as we want and do as much as we want. He just wants our hearts and have a relationship with us. See, we can come to church every Sunday and we can read through the Bible or maybe you can join a cell group or you can use Christian lingo but our hearts can still be far from Him. It can be. I've seen it so many times. So where is your heart at today? It's a good question to ask. Where is your heart? And sometimes I'm not saying you, you don't have to go to church. And, no, no, sometimes we need church. We need family to draw our hearts all the time closer to God. Draw our hearts more to honor Him in everything we do. Number two, honor starts by serving others. Very straightforward. See, the Word says that to give is as much, so much better than to receive. Amen? Do you know that God loves it when people serve each other? He loves it. I think it stirs God's heart when he sees, wow, look how people are serving each other. I mean, going out of their way just to make it 
easier for someone else. Just loving them in a, in a different way. In fact, God loves it so much that He gave each of us gifts so that we can serve each other. Do you know that? Look at 1 Peter 4 verse 10 to 11 says, God has given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God Himself was speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. Isn't it great to know that God gifted us all to serve each other? Man, I love it to serve. I don't know about you. Why? Because I can see the blessing in someone's eyes when I make them coffee. Or I take them for... Or I, I mean, it's just amazing. I had a friend of mine, every time I went... Um, he took me for lunch or we spent some time together. One of his favorite things is paying for someone's lunch in the restaurant. So we would sit in the five, five, first five minutes and I was like, how are you doing? And I could see he's been looking around. I said, man, are you looking for someone again? He says, yeah, yeah, don't worry. I've been. I was like, ah, I got him. So the Lord spoke to him and then he calls the waiter. He loves it. He said, listen, whatever those people have, I'll pay for it, but don't tell them. I just want to pay for them because he wants to see them, their faces. Just serving them. Just blessing them. One of the most honorable things that we can do is to serve those around you. And sometimes serve people with something you don't want to do. <laughs> when I started serving in church, I had to wash the toilets and I had to do a bunch of stuff. It's like, why am I doing this again? But as I was doing it, God started changing my heart to honor Him. The most respected leaders in the world are leaders who lead by serving others they lead. Servant leaders. There are so many men and women in the Bible who through serving others found their ordained destiny. Remember David? Before David he had his most defining moment in his life, what did he do? He served his brothers. He said, David, come, take this cheese and bread to your brothers. And I think it's like, oh, okay, back the donkey and take it. But at least he wanted to see the wall. He was a, a typical young man. But because he served his brothers, God gave him a defining moment in his life. It came from serving, honoring his father. But the greatest thing of serving others, that is that it glorifies God when we serve, when we're part of a dream and a vision of what God is doing. Ultimately, we always honor God when we go out of our way to serve others. Now, for us as a KLC movement, for us, it's not just about getting the work done on Sundays and get the service over. No, no. It's all about finding our purpose as we serve. You see, church is all, it's, it's all about us. I always say this, and you've heard me say this, church is, is it's so, not so much about what's happening behind this pulpit. It's more about what's happening in front of this pulpit. This is church. We are the church. It's all about us serving each other, loving each other. We have a men's group on Thursday morning, and, now, and in the last two, three years, how the men served each other. And when someone goes through a tough time, man, the guys jump in. I don't even know about it. 
We had a homeless guy from the street. They paid accommodation for him. Come on, Pierre, those guys, Nolan, those guys were involved and paid accommodation for him for six months, getting him off the street, serving him, serving each other. When we start serving, we honor God. We really honor God. It pulls us into a place of holiness. You see, when it's not about just speaking or singing in church. It's all about functioning together and changing lives. And when each of us come to church on Sundays, before we get to the preaching, guess what? You've heard two or three sermons before. Someone greeted you in a parking lot. Someone had a conversation with you over coffee. God touched your life in worship. We haven't even got to the sermon. Serving each other, loving on each other. And when we pastored a campus church full of students in Potchefstroom for over 10 years, we had many volunteers. Many. I just told you about it. But there was one lady. She was about this tall. Her one leg was a lot shorter than the other one. She was disabled. She was in an accident. She had one half of uh, one arm. But uh, we always, what was my jokes? We had two, two jelly tots on the arm, you know, disabled. She had a disformed face. But you know what she did? She signed up for ushering. And I said to her, wow, that's amazing. She said, yes, I want to greet people. I said, man, you, you're the right candidate. And for all the years that we've been there, I've never seen someone so joyful greeting others. This formed face, half an arm, half a leg. She was the best picture of honoring God with what she had. And you know what the amazing thing about her was? She won a medal at the Olympics two, three years after that, at the Paralympic Games. She won a medal. She was a devoted swimmer. I didn't even know about it. But the joy that she had while ushering and greeting others and just being part of this family was the best gift that she could give and have and that God could do something in her life that honors Him. But it was also honoring to me. Man, I, I saw how to honor God with what I had. It touched my life deeply. Now this morning I want to end, and it's not a long sermon, but I want to encourage all of us to, to make sure that God has given you a position or a place to serve. Not just in church, but maybe at your work. Place. Maybe there's a place where you can serve someone. Maybe your neighbor. I cut my neighbor's grass for four years till he realized it's his grass. <laughs> and, and I just thought, I'll... I'll just bless him. And then I, I raked his leaves, and I mean, it was quite neat. And, and then after a few years, because he was so busy, he was in the hotel industry, he came and said, listen, he always thought it was the estate that cuts his grass and rakes his leaves. And, and then his wife came home earlier, and I was raking her leaves. And I was like, hey, how are you? And she felt so bad, and he came over with a bottle of wine. And I said, no, no, no. Do you know what? I love doing it. And he said, why? So I'm just like you guys. And we haven't spoken five sentences in four years because he's never there. 
But I really felt that God says, serve them. Because through serving them, you will honor me. And there were some days when I'm raking these leaves and I'm mowing the lawn and God says, that's a nice attitude today. So, yeah, Lord, I'm sorry. When I was young in church, we had to pack out the whole church and it was 500 seats and it was a whole sound system with a trailer. Man, we had double-decker trailers with everything in there. You guys remember that trailer, that old white one. I mean, I had to go and hook that trailer on my car, burn my clutch all the way to this church and then unpack that thing. And then I had to organize men who helped me and then nobody pitched up and me and my wife packs up chairs and I was like packing out chairs and stupid chairs. And, and then, you know what? The Lord changed my heart in that moment. I said, Henny, that's a nice way of honoring me. You know people sitting in that chair, their lives might change tomorrow. I was like, okay, Lord. Lord, I bless this chair today. <laughs> and this one. But God changed my heart as I was serving. And yes, sometimes I was forced to do it because I was part of ministry. And, but God gave me some technical know-how of sound and stuff and doing things and creating more in Henny than there was. Amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray with us. Father, we thank you this morning. What a privilege it is to be in church, Father. Thank you that, that your word always speaks to us, Father. Your word never fails us, Father, to minister to us, to love on us. And Father, I thank you this morning that this word will stir our hearts to honor you in everything we do, Lord. No matter what we do, where we go, what we, if we go through hard times, good times, Father, may we honor you in everything, Father. May we honor you with everything we have. And Lord, I pray this morning that that you will settle that thing in our hearts that you have called us to advance your kingdom. We might just pack up chairs or serve our neighbor, Father, but we are advancing your kingdom and we are changing lives, Father. And Father, I pray this morning that you stir in our hearts where we need to serve. Where can we be part of, of this family and, about, and, and, and where can we be part of the greater family of serving people around this church. And Father, if there's a place where our hearts maybe went stagnant, Lord, I pray that you will create a flow through our hearts again. That we can love on you. And that you can love on us as we advance, as we move, Father as we get the word to change our lives, as we serve and, and get to be served. Lord, we love you so much. Thank you for changing our hearts and our minds every day and as we grow in you, Father. And Lord, I pray that you build people into our lives to help us grow and mature. Help us to mentor others as we mentor others. Lord, I pray for this week. May your blessing be on everyone here today. May those who have businesses, may their businesses prosper this week, Lord. May they speak about you. May they live you. May they shine for you. May their light shine bright. And Lord, may you be honored in everything we do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.